Welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Neighborhood Church. We pray that you be blessed by it. He was pierced through for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, the chastening for our well-being was upon him. On that weekend, that weekend that changed the world, every sin of every person that had ever lived up to that time was placed upon him. Every sin of every person who was living at that time was placed upon him. And every sin of every person who was yet going to live, that's you and that's me, on that day was placed upon him. And all the darkness and all the ugliness of sin gathered in Jerusalem at the same time in darkness, understandably, covered the city. There was no light left in our Lord's soul. As he received that afternoon, my sins, your sins, died, was buried, and on the third day, up from the grave he arose. Conquering the power and penalty and pain of sin. The weekend that changed the world. Christ conquered. That weekend also saw the the release of a force in this world that Jesus had been hinting about, but nobody really got what he was saying. He was hinting and suggesting that a thing called a church was going to be born. Matthew 16, verse 18, and the gates of hell could not overpower it. And his resurrection resulted in the birth of the church of Jesus Christ, which has been a powerful force for two millenniums now, changing the world. 2930 A.D., depending on who you ask and which historian you read. Jesus had about... 11 disciples, he had 11 disciples and a small group of followers, many of whom were women. But the church marches on through history, and by 1910, there are 600 million Christ followers. 
something significant happens, at least from the theological perspective I have. In the last years of the 19th century, the first years of the 20th century, there's this powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to become witnesses. And a hundred years later, 2010, there are 2.2 billion Christ followers in the world. This, my friends, is your story. This, my friends, is our story. This, my friends, is his story. And it all is rooted in the story of this weekend that changed the world. This weekend that changed the world. I, I, uh, I think we've let society mess us up a little bit. Secularism and the method, message of secularism that has tried to uh, disengage culture from thinking about God and giving him his rightless, rightful place. Not only has it affected what's being taught in our schools and our universities and our homes and over television and on the web, it has crept into the heart of Christians. And now we walk around a little embarrassed about being a Christ follower. We try to be politically correct all the time. We aren't too sure when we walk into the lunchroom that we want anybody to know we were in church yesterday. And we've let the spirit of the world become our spirit. And because the spirit of the world has become our spirit, we often neglect to think about the power the church has brought to the world and how much the world has changed because of the church. Yaroslav Pelikan says this, Yale historian, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. This story, our story, is his story. And so I want to talk uh, this morning about how the death and resurrection of Christ has brought change to the world. I have to keep my list very, very short or I'll be starting a sermon series that will outlast the one on the Book of Romans. So I'll keep my reasons to five. Number one, 
the dignity and sacredness of life was established. Because this is where we live and this is how we live, we often think that the way it is now is the way it has always been. But that's far from true. Up until the church gained root in culture, infanticide was pretty normal. It was very normal to give birth to a child and look at him or her and say, eh, we've already got enough blue-eyed blondes. And just take the child outside and drop him or her off somewhere and let the elements and the creatures take over from there. It was absolutely normal. <laughs> the child was born in poor health or with some kind of deformity to just walk the little child outside and let nature look after the rest. There was not a respect for life. You say, ah, oh, preacher, you're making that up. Sometimes I think we read the Bible without reading the Bible. I really do. <laughs> do you remember what Herod did when he began to feel threatened with the birth of a little baby? Now imagine that, being threatened by the birth of a little baby. <laughs> and what ruling does he make? We read about it in the book of, of Matthew. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 16, he became very enraged and, sent, and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinities from two years old and under. No respect for life. Here's a ruler who is threatened by a little baby, and he says, I gotta make sure there's no babies who live, and what does, how does he solve the problem? kills them all. Roman gladiators, 800 years of history. People would gather in arenas and stadiums like we go to hockey games and football games, but they weren't going to see who could get the most pucks in the net, not the Calgary Flames. Um, didn't go to see who could kick the most pucks in the net. They didn't go to see who could throw the most footballs and get touchdowns. They went to see two men fight against each other to death, and the one who was still alive at the end was the winner. No sanctity for life. Believe it or not, it even crept into religious circles. Some religious people of Jesus' day didn't like what he was saying and didn't like what he was teaching, so they called a board meeting. And what did they do at the 
the board meeting, Matthew 12, verse 14. They moved and seconded motions about how they could destroy him. No sanctity for life. And the church came. Jesus came. And all of that began to change. I like this quote from Lecky, who wrote the book, History of European Morals from Augustus to Charlemagne. I think it's a two-volume work. Christianity formed a new standard, higher than any which then existed in the world. I don't know if you took time this morning to to surf the web or, or catch the news, but last night there uh, in Sri Lanka, some uh, suicide bombers, make it in drove into churches in Sri Lanka and hotels in Sri Lanka, very targeted attacks. And 138 Christians, the count I read before I went to church this morning, lost their life last night on Easter Sunday in Sri Lanka for no other reason, for no other reason than they were Christians. One of the guys in our church employs a number of Sri Lankans. They work in Sri Lanka. And he's been trying to find out if they are, if they are okay, and he's got on his Facebook account and looking at the Facebook account, he said, uh, every one of the guys who works for me is a Christian. And every one of them in the last two days, in a land where being a Christian can cost you your life, every one in the last two days has made a clear statement on their Facebook accounts that they are followers of Christ. And here in Canada, where you can say what you want, when you want, we sneak into our lunchrooms hoping nobody found out we went to church on Easter Sunday. We have nothing to be ashamed of. The church would be in a ter- the world would be in a terrible mess if it wasn't for a church that came in and the church began to become salt and light and the church raised up a standard that changed the world and the church raised up a standard and said, life matters. We shouldn't leave this place in embarrassment today. We should leave with a boldness in our heart and a boldness in our souls. Second thing that changed the world 
is in the area of women's rights, freedoms, and dignity. <coughs> Historically, women had very few rights. Man could marry as many women as they wanted, and they could divorce them as often and as quickly as they wanted simply by just writing out a note of divorce themselves and say, "Hun, you burnt the toast this morning, I've had it. We're done. Get out of here. And women had next to no rights when it came to, to divorce. Women were regarded as second-class creatures. Uh, let me quote, I think Augustine is coming up here, or Aristotle, sorry. A woman was somewhere between a free man and a, a slave. Women had no rights, but Jesus comes. But Jesus comes, and we have a culture established where there is neither male nor female. Women's rights rise because of the church. Jesus has changed the world. Jesus has changed the world. This weekend has changed the world. Third thing, I've got to keep moving here. We want to celebrate baptisms this morning. The importance of education was emphasized. Again, we tend to think that everything is the way it is now and has always been the way it is. The truth of the matter is, the Puritans were the first group of people who passed a law that said education must be available until, unto the, to the masses. Education must be available to the masses. Until the Puritans came, only the elite were educated. When John Quincy, who was the second president of the United States, was president, they looked at the nation of the United States, and at that point, 0.4, not 4, but 0.4%. 0.4% of Americans could read and write. And now, my instinct is probably everybody here over the age of eight or nine can read and write. What's changed? Christians stood up and said, education is a right that ought to be available to the masses. When the United States was formed, uh, there were 123 universities across the nation. All but one of them, 122 of them, had been established by Christian churches and were organized and led by churches. It was churches that stood up and said, education is something that ought to be available to the masses. Canada was established 1867. There were uh, 17 universities in this nation. 13 of 17 of them had been started by churches. 
The church, my friends, this weekend, the Jesus we saved, served, the salt and light that he brought to this world is the force that has changed society, and we ought not to cower over that truth. We ought not to be embarrassed. We not need, don't need to be politically correct. We need to stand up and tell the truth. It is Jesus who's changed the world. And when Harvard was started, <laughs> imagine their missions, the missions to university with a mission statement like this now. Let every student be plainly instructed, earnestly pressed to consider, well, the main. Now, that's not a spelling mistake. That's why they had to start universities. They didn't know how to spell. That's how they spelled back then. The main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is another spelling mistake, eternal life. That's the mission statement of Harvard University. How the world has changed. Fourth thing. Humility was introduced by Christ. See, they had a lot of virtues that they, they uh, gave great value to. They valued courage. That's why... Uh, gladiators would go and fight to death because courage was valued highly. <laughs> Wisdom was valued. I don't know how a wise person can go fight to death, but, but humility was thought of as a weakness. And then Jesus comes. Jesus comes and he bows down and He washes the feet of people who appeared to be his servants. And the whole world is flipped upside down. And now the virtue of humility that makes our homes work and the virtue of humility that makes our workplaces bearable is introduced to the world. Last point. And forgiveness is introduced. Jesus was crucified on a weekend long, long, long ago, the weekend that changed the world. I know the pictures show Jesus crucified on the top of Golgotha's hill. History indicates that's not how it happened. Jesus was crucified at the base of the hill, the bottom of the hill. That's where the crucifixions took place in Jerusalem. And the Bible story verifies it because while he was being crucified, people walked past him and they spit on him. Now, I don't spit in public, but my spit always goes down and not up. They spit on him. He was crucified at the base of the hill. People came and spit on him. He was whipped. He was mocked. 
crown of thorns was placed on his head. And the crowd began to cry out together, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And Jesus' response to all of it was, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Christ and his church emphasized forgiveness in an unforgiving world. Little seven-year-old boy was raised in an orphanage. The orphanage didn't do really much. They just made sure he had a bed at night and a roof over his head and a little bit of food. They didn't have a lot of money. But he was safe. A couple finally came forward and was willing to adopt this little seven-year-old boy process went through, they picked him up, they brought him to his house, and for the first time in his life, they walked him down the hallway, and they showed him his bedroom. It was the first time in his life he had a bedroom that was his own bedroom, (laughs) and he had pillows. Can you imagine he had pillows? And then they opened his closet, and in the closet they had bought him a whole bunch of new clothes. The only clothes he'd ever had was what he'd had on his back, a shirt, a pair of pants, and some underwear and socks. They took all that dirty clothes and threw it away, and in the morning, never before it had happened in his life, he opened the closet and he had to make a decision about what shirt to put on. Took him down the street and introduced him to all kinds of boys his age. He was so happy. But they did something strange. They did something he didn't understand. They took his old smelly shoes. They bought him new shoes. They took the old smelly shoes and they put them on the mantle above the fireplace. He couldn't figure out why they were keeping his shoes. (laughs) In a few months, he understood because every time he did something that they didn't approve of, he did something that was against the rules they had established, They took him to the mantle, and they took the shoes off the mantle, and they would say to him, don't you remember where you've been brought from? How dare you treat us like that? And they'd make him smell those smelly shoes. 
It's the culture we live in. They want to rub our mistakes in front of our face. They want to remind us of our failures over and over and over again. But Jesus came to change it all. And he never brings up our sins again. The weekend that changed the world. Let's stand and celebrate it together. We know you enjoyed this teaching from the Neighborhood Church from our Pine House location here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. To touch base with us from anywhere in the world that you're listening, or maybe you're just at the gym or in your car, you can text the word Pine House to 306-800-5296. There you can fill out our digital connect card. Or if you want to give it a distance, or maybe you've been working weekends or just can't make it to the city, text the initials TNC to 705 705- 230-8977. Through that little portal, you can give or tithe or even give to missions. For any more information about the Neighborhood Church, you can check us out online at theneighborhoodchurch.org. God bless you and have a great week.